that's gone. Okay. Lord, thanks for tonight, and thanks for the blessings that you pour out on us. Thanks for the gift of eternal life. We thank you that we can meet and just dive into your word and study. We thank you so much that you, uh, when we are reborn, we are citizens in your heavenly realm. And uh, Lord, speak through me. Uh, open our hearts to receive teaching in your word and help me to not get too far ahead and not too far behind you, but walk in your spirit. And I just pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so, uh, hopefully he's fixing my boo-boo. Like I said, I told him the wrong. It, that scripture was in there, but that wasn't the one I was going to teach on. So it's John chapter 1. If you got your Bibles with you, you can make your way there. And I'm reading out of the NLT, New Living Translation. Um, famous passage here. In the beginning, the Word already existed. The Word was with God. The Word was God. He existed in the beginning with God. God created everything through Him, and nothing was created except through Him. The Word gave life to everything that was created, and His life brought light to everyone. The light shines into the darkness, and the darkness can never extinguish it. And this isn't the primary focus of my message, but I'm going to stop right there. Because this is a critical passage for us. This is one of the places you can take somebody if they're ever questioning the deity of Christ. This is proof, proof that <coughs> Jesus is truly God's son. The word was with God. The word is Jesus here they're talking about. The word was God. So Jesus is part of God. He existed in the beginning with God. Jesus was there when God was doing his thing, making this place we're on, this lovely, amazing planet Earth we're on. Jesus was there with him. It says in there, everything was created, made by God, through Jesus. I don't pretend to completely understand all that. I won't come to you and say I do, but I believe it's true. So if anybody ever tells you, ah, Jesus was just a man, he was a good man, or he was a prophet, he was just a prophet, or he was an amazing teacher, no, uh-uh. He was God's son. And that is what separates us from the cults. We believe Jesus is God's son. So if anybody ever is arguing with you about that, that's probably the one thing, the one thing that I'm willing to argue about endlessly. As long as it takes, I'll argue with someone about it. The rest of the stuff that's in our faith, there are some important things, but this is the crux of our faith. Some questions you can ask somebody that doesn't believe Jesus was the Son of God. Where was Jesus when the earth was created? Where was he? Well, if he was in heaven, how did that happen? How did he get there? How could he be there in the beginning before all this happened 
if he's not a God. He's not God. He's not God's son. Just saying. So we need to be ready to fight for that truth. Anybody ever tells you Jesus is not the son of God? No. That ain't it. So we're going to move on. But I just wanted to um, make that a point of emphasis. So God sent a man, John the Baptist, to tell about the light so that everyone might believe because of his testimony. John himself was not the light. He was simply a witness to tell about the light. The one is the true light, who gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He came into the very world he created, but the world didn't recognize him. Came to his own people, and even they rejected him. But to all who believed him and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. They are reborn, not with a physical birth resulting from human passion or plan, but a birth that comes from God. Those two verses are so important, I'm just going to read them again. We're going to focus on them tonight. But to all who believed him and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. They are reborn, not with a physical birth, resulting from human passion or plan, but a birth that comes from God. And if we look at this word, we can, I think we can conclude that God wants us to inherit and claim these promises. We can, we will be reborn when we accept Jesus as our Savior. First, we've got to believe in Jesus. We've got to accept him as our Savior. And if we got, I think everybody here, I know, but if there's anybody online that wonders, you know, am I a child of God, really? Am I, am I do I have eternal life? You can know. You can know right now. I'm just, we're just going to pray a simple prayer because this is step one in your new rebirth, in your citizenship in heaven. Getting ahead of myself. Stop, John. Uh, so, pray this prayer with me if you don't know, and then you can know. Lord Jesus, I am a sinner. I believe that you died for my sins so I could be forgiven. I receive you as my Lord and Savior. Thank you for coming into my life. Amen. If you prayed that prayer and you mean it in your heart, you just changed. Your whole life was completely turned upside down. You are now a citizen of heaven, not the earthly realm anymore. And if you did pray that prayer with me online, I urge you to go to a local Bible church, one that teaches the Bible, and join them in pursuing a relationship with Jesus. That's step one. Those who believed him and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. When we do that, the amazing part happens. To all who believe and accept him, he gives the right to become children of God. Not a physical rebirth, 
but a spiritual rebirth. It comes from God. And I'm going to take a stab at this tonight in words, but I'm going to tell you right now, this is something that's beyond, some of it's beyond human comprehension, I feel like. I can't really be, do it justice in words. The change that God puts in us, it's, it's, it's just incredible. It's amazing. So when we receive J Jesus as our Savior, we're remade into residents of a new realm. It's the realm of eternity. So now our spirits are taken out of this world and given a new citizenship that's in heaven. Huh. Jesus prays in John 17, 15, and 16. I'm just going to kind of back this up, what I'm saying here, with a few passages. John 17, verses 15 and 16. Jesus here is praying for his disciples. Okay? And he says, I'm not asking you to take them out of this world, but to keep them safe from the evil one. He's praying to his dad here. They do not belong to this world any more than I do. So you see, the disciples had accepted Christ. He was their teacher, their rabbi, their savior. And they had received the rebirth. They were no longer residents of this earthly realm, but residents of heaven. 1 Peter 1.17, Peter says, we are foreigners in the land. 1 Peter 2.11, this is a life verse for me. Peter warns us as temporary residents and foreigners in this land to stay away from worldly desires that wage war against our souls. So you see, three different places now we see he's telling us we're no longer residents of planet Earth. We are citizens in heaven. And I said that wrong. We're still stuck here, residents on planet Earth, but we are citizens of heaven. Our citizenship is in heaven. When we get saved, we become citizens of heaven. Even wrong in my notes here. But at least I'm saying it right. Citizens of heaven. Here's my passport. It identifies me as a citizen of the United States of America. It's kind of cool. It's got that picture. I look younger. We all talked about that before we started. My hair is not quite as gray. Still pretty gray. I look a little young. Yeah, not that much younger. My wife says I look younger. Anyway. Um, but it's kind of cool. It's got places stamped in it where I've been. You know, there's Spain. Yeah, there's a few other cool places maybe. Haven't been to a lot of places. But you see, when we get saved, I just wanted to show you this. God gives us a new passport, a new identity. And that identity is in heaven, in the heavenly realms. Pretty amazing stuff. In John, 1 John 3, 2, that was part of what I, the boo-boo I had up there at front. 
Anyway, it says we are children of God. And 1 John 4, 4 says, He who is in us is greater than he who is in the world. Now, that one's something to hang your hat on. He who is in us is greater than he who's in the world. But just saying those words aren't enough. We have to walk them out. We have to believe them. I mean, do I really believe that God, Jesus, is greater than he who is in the world? And do I live my life that way? Does my life reflect my faith, my belief in that statement? Saying it is not enough. You, you, you won't, I won't get anywhere. I have to possess that truth in my soul. And when I do, I become mightier than the powers of darkness. I become mightier than disease. I become mightier than I was when I started separate from God. I know that I know that I know that that's true. I believe it and it affects the way I live my life. That's what it's got to be for me. You say, well, that's great for you, John, but I still struggle. I have questions. Well, you're in good company, so do I. I struggle. I just had a, a really good friend uh, point out something to me that I was doing that when I reflected on it, I didn't like it either. He said he didn't like it. Wow, I'm 64. I might have to work on that. But I can, and I will. So I come to you tonight as somebody that's not arrived, or this stuff is stuff that God just showed me, and I still struggle. So, as I said, we're in good company when we struggle. Let's look at John in the third chapter. There's a guy named Nicodemus in there. A little bit about Nicodemus. So Nicodemus was one of the Pharisees. So they would have had the Torah um, to study. And, you know, we know in the Torah that uh, part of it, you know, Isaiah's in there. And in Isaiah 53, 1 to 6, we get uh, prediction of the Messiah. So Nicodemus would have had access to that. Um, he would have read about that. He would have studied about it. But, you know, he was the only one that was really willing to come and listen to Jesus. I like Nicodemus because unlike the other Pharisees, he comes to Jesus with an open mind. He's willing to accept that Jesus might be the Messiah promised in the Torah. So let's look, let's look at that passage. 3, John 3, 1. There was a man named Nicodemus, a Jewish leader, religious leader, who was a Pharisee. 
After dark one evening, he came to speak with Jesus. He wasn't, he was full of some courage, but not a ton because he had to go at night because he knew this could cost him if he got caught talking to this crazy rabbi. We all know God has sent you to teach us. Your miraculous signs are evidence that God is with you. Jesus replied, I tell you the truth, unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. That's that born again thing I was talking about. What do you mean, said Nicodemus? How can an old man go back into his mother's womb and be born again? Jesus says, I assure you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and the spirit. Humans can reproduce only human life, but the Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. So don't be surprised when I say you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it wants, just as you can hear the wind, but can't tell where it comes from or where it's going. So you cannot explain how people are born of the Spirit. How are these things possible, Nicodemus asked. Jesus said, you're a respected religious teacher, Jewish teacher, and yet you don't understand these things. I assure you, we tell you what we know and have seen, and yet you won't believe our testimony. If you don't believe me when I tell you about earthly things, how can, I po how can you possibly believe if I tell you about heavenly things? No one has ever gone to heaven and returned. But the Son of Man has come down from heaven. So see, Nicodemus kind of sounds confused, doesn't he? <laughs> How can an old man be go back into his mother's womb? He doesn't get it at all. Jesus kind of gently informs him, you're going to have to learn some things, Nicodemus, about spiritual things. You're going to have to wake up. Get with the program. But the cool thing is Nicodemus doesn't really understand it, but he's asking questions he's willing to learn. And when I got to this point, I was proofing this message, and I just felt like right here, right now, I was supposed to stop and remind everybody, Jesus loves us no matter what. If we're going the wrong way, he'll gently steer us back onto the correct path. When we're not willing to let him steer, sometimes he can be not so gentle. I've had that happen to me because I'm very stubborn. Sometimes, if I'm going the wrong way, he might even let me go that way until I crash. If I'm not willing to be steered. The enemy's plan here is to tell us that I'm so stupid, I'm so sinful, I'm so slothful or whatever it is that Jesus isn't even going to listen to me. I don't deserve it. And the truth is, I don't. None of us do, but it's a free gift, this amazing gift, this new citizenship that I'm talking about. When you accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, boom, you get the gift. And the enemy wants to convince you 
you are not worthy. And it's a lie from hell. I want to tell you right now. It's a lie. It's just a lie. Jesus always wants us to talk to him, pray to him. He's always willing to listen, even when I'm wrong, which I am. Just admit it. I'll own it. A lot of times I'm wrong. Sometimes it might not feel like he's listening to me, but he always is. Sometimes I think I want something in particular, and he has a better plan for me. In hindsight, I go down the road a ways, he doesn't answer that prayer, and I find myself in a way better place than I wanted to be. He just changed things around and put me where I wanted, where he wanted me to be, excuse me, because I was willing to let him steal. So that's just for your two cents worth, that God just really impressed that on me. We are worthy. He will always hear us. He will always listen to us. As long as you're seeking after him, there isn't a sin that he cannot forgive. The Bible says there's one, one unforgivable sin, and that's just turning your back on him and walking away from him when you know the truth. As long as you don't do that, he's always going to hear you. He's always going to listen. And for me, Nicodemus is showing us a way, the way to proceed in this new citizenship. He's asking, he's learning, he's questioning. It's okay to question God. It's okay to ask him questions. It's okay. I went through a time where I had about a year, I was pretty depressed, and I, uh, I questioned God a lot. Why did you take my brother in such a strange way? Why does he have to go to heaven with you? And I think when I get there, I'll understand it. But until then, I won't. But I trust God's plan through all of that. As it said in the one verse, we're aliens and strangers of this world and we need to stay away from the worldly desires that wage war against our souls. So that's our battle. That's what's hard. You know, that's the struggle. And for me, it's a, like a lifelong process that he's refining me and he's working on me. My citizenship, ah, I can't talk, is in heaven. But the earthly stuff, the earthly pleasures, they just keep getting in my way. What the heck? How come? You know? Anybody else have that issue? <laughs> what if we're willing to take a chance and follow Nicodemus' example? Seeking, asking, learning, questioning. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge God, and he will make your path straight. So if I do that, I'm going to grow in faith. And it seems so simple. 
I trust God. I trust his plan for me. I believe he's in control. And I believe he can show me down the right road, the right path. Sounds simple. Why can't I do it? I guess I'm pretty stubborn sometimes. I don't know if anybody else is, but I am. And then this is a new one. I'm going to memorize this one. Jason gave us this one last week. Psalm 25.4. I like this one. Show me the right path, O Lord. Point out the road for me to follow. So I ask, Lord, show me the path. Show me the road. You know, where am I supposed to go? So I just ask him. He's going to show me. Sounds too simple, right? But I believe it's true. I think, I think he will show us. Matthew 7, 7 says, keep on asking. You're going to receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking. You will find. Keep on knocking. Doors will be open. Everyone who asks, the door will be open. Everyone who knocks, the door will be open. Everyone who asks will receive. I got that typo in there, sorry. But remember the context of this verse. You got to remember. Jesus is seeking God, asking God for knowledge of him. So if I ask for a new camper for free next week by four o'clock when I want to go camping I'll be in camp but anyway funny play on words there or a new car I'm not necessarily going to get that we have to trust God he knows what we need better than I do so I ask God to open doors so I can come to a better knowledge of him. I ask God, and I keep on asking, I'm persistent. We have to be persistent. We have to keep trying, keep asking. And as we do this, I believe that we can grow into this amazing citizenship that he's given us. It is amazing. So remember... We are citizens of heaven, temporarily residing, stuck on planet Earth. There, I had it written correctly there. Got it right at the end. And we need to just keep trying, keep working, keep pushing, keep asking, keep knocking, keep seeking, keep asking questions to try to grow into this new citizenship in heaven. And it's just a bit less than 52 minutes. It was pretty quick tonight. That's the end. I'm going to push stop.